0: Hey everyone, so we made it. We are at the end of the year. And the end of another decade, which is so crazy and exciting at the same time. So I won't keep you long as I know that you have lives that you need to get back to, but for this last month, the year, I wanted to highlight some of my most favorite episodes of this last year. The ones that I know that you like the most, the ones that I know had the most impact in your lives and businesses, and the ones that I think really embody the entire purpose of the Influencer Podcast, which is really to help you get what you want. Out of Life. So over the next month, you'll be hearing from amazing guests like James Wedmore, Marie Forleo, and some solo recaps, just to name a few. And if you weren't able to hear these episodes when they first aired, do yourself a huge solid and check them out after you hear the recaps this month. Now, I know the majority of our listeners love them, and I think you will too. So let's get to it. Okay, so as I just mentioned, today's episode does not disappoint. We are talking about all things efficiency. I realize this might not sound like the sexiest topic, but trust me, if you keep growing your business, it will soon. I'll be the first to say that I didn't always give two craps about my business systems. As a matter of fact, those things used to repel me. They are not my zone of genius. I do not understand really automation systems, processing, techy stuff and why you need it, but I'm telling you, it is some of the most important parts of your business. I didn't even realize how much of a bottleneck that I was in my business and that I was causing until I got to meet Adrian last year and then, of course, share her with you guys today. So, today's guest, Adrienne, came into my life and completely changed the way in which I view my business and how I run my business. Her idea of looking at your business as an assembly line is going to blow your mind. So, of course, I'm talking about the one and only Adrienne Dorison. She is an efficiency expert and queen of streamlining systems. Adrienne and her business partner, Mike, also created Run Like Clockwork, an operations consultancy that equips CEOs with the skills to design a business that quite literally... Runs itself. Adrian has helped hundreds of business leaders from Fortune 500 corporations to fast growing startups double, triple, sometimes even 10 times their company's growth, all while removing themselves from the day to day doing operations. Can I get an amen? Today, Adrian is sharing step by step strategies you can use to minimize unnecessary output, fulfill your highest value, and start experiencing your business as the CEO, even if you are a one person. Show guys. So let's welcome Adrian to the show. So before we dive on into today's awesome episode, I got to give a shout out to a reviewer this week, and that is Brad Girl. And she says addictive positivity, potential, and purpose. So I've been a listener playing catch up with these episodes for the last few months. And at first I was kind of skeptical that a creative podcast was for me as a freelance journalist and blogger. I needed convincing that the sales and numbers hustle applied to me. I'm still on the fence as to if it actually does, but who cares? Julie gathers content that is addictive and for excitement, timeliness, imagination, accessibility, positivity, and intelligence. She is all business for her listeners. She pushes her guests to go into detail about things, emphasizing how much she wants to share with her listeners, and inviting guests who are more open and forthright toward that end. I listen to every episode, even if I think the content isn't really my niche. I'm delighted every time to learn something something and reflect long afterward on the content. Thanks, Julie. Well, thank you so much for that really honest and reflective review. Um, I love that you gave it a moment and you just, instead of saying this wouldn't work for me, or this isn't the podcast for me, or this isn't the episode for me, you started thinking, how can this podcast work for me? What? could I potentially learn from this episode or from this guest? So props to you for being awesome and, you know, always remembering that no matter where you are in your business, we always have a level up, right? There's always one level that we can grow, that we can change, that we can think differently, that we can feel differently. So I think that it's really um, a great reminder to all of us that If we start to see ourselves getting into that resistant phase of like, this isn't going to work for me, or I don't need to listen to this, or I don't need to read this, instead of saying that, which can put you in a very scarcity, loser feeling, you should say, how could this work for me? What could I maybe learn? It's really about being curious and open instead of resistant and closed. So thank you for that reminder today. And now, of course, if you are someone who loves to listen in, I want to hear from you. All you got to do is head over to iTunes, subscribe to the influencer podcast, and then you can give us a review right there. Once you hit the subscribe button and then rate us and then let us know what you're thinking. Let us know some of your favorite guests. Let us know what's really been an aha for you, because what I love to do is take those reviews and of course share them on episodes like I'm doing now. And another thing that I love to do is over on the gram. I love to see the conversations that are going on over there too. So if you're listening to today's episode with our incredible guest Adrian Dorison which if you're already here, you got to stay because this woman is about to blow your mind. What I want you to do is when you get done listening to this episode, I want you to head over to Instagram and I want you to tag me at Jules Solomon. And I also want you to tag Adrian. So that's Adrian, A D R I E N N E, Dorison, D O R I S O N. And then hashtag the influencer podcast. And on that, I want to know what your absolute number one biggest takeaway is from the episode that we're about to dive into because I'm telling you, there were so many mind blown moments for me. It's really hard to pick one. So it's going to be really fun to see what your biggest one was. And then I'm going to make sure to screenshot and share your screenshots on my stories too. All right, guys, let's dive in. Hello, Adrienne. It's so awesome to have you here with us today. I'm so excited for this. I am
1: so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. So um, first, I would love to dive in to share with everyone listening how we met, because I think that it's really cool and unique how we met and also plays into, I think, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today and a lot of of where
1: your genius lies. We met in person at my workshop, at our Run Like Clockwork workshop, and I knew who you were through the interwebs, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Enter whoppies. And um and that day was was really was really amazing. Um I had the pleasure of going down to Florida to do a in person workshop with Adrian and her amazing team. And we're gonna dive into to what what run like clockwork is in just in just a little while. But it really was such an eye opening experience for me and some of my team members to dive in to really understand what it means to run your business and your brand like clockwork and really the systems and and kind of some of the internal work and restructuring that needs to take place to dive into that. So I'm excited to dive into that more today, but I yeah. would love if you could just share a little bit about your background and, you know, what you started out in, which I also think is really fascinating and <laughs> what kind of brought you into the world that you're in today with helping online influencers and entrepreneurs really, um, you know, not only grow a business, but, but keep a business sustainable and and as efficient as possible.
1: Yes. So my background is in the forestry world, which is, really funny, um, sort of, right. But you, you had some expertise in that area as well, which is even more connections for us. But, um, I used to work in the, in the corporate manufacturing space doing efficiency, operational efficiency in, in forestry companies, essentially, how do we, uh, get more results with less resources. So it's all about resource use and, I left that job, um, about four and a half years ago to do some private consulting because I was just no longer aligned with the same values. Like I liked the work that I did in the corporate world, but I always say that I was just doing it like maybe in the wrong environment, (laughs) um, And so I started doing this on the side and grew my business from there as, as a private consulting practice, where I was taking these principles from the large corporate manufacturing world of efficiency and trying to figure out how do they apply to the small business person or the small business specifically, because they were not like, it it couldn't just be copy and paste, right? Like they didn't specifically translate. And so that's what my work has been over the past four and a half, five years is figuring out how do we take these really incredible concepts, these true concepts about efficiency that are working really well for the big business world and allow the people in the small business world who absolutely need them, but how do we create them and adjust them and translate them in a way that makes sense to a small business owner? And that's what I've been doing. And that is what you know, the the product of clockwork, the book, as well as our workshops where we, you know, work with companies to help them run like clockwork. That's what we've kind of created through my work over the past five years.
2: Mm.
0: And I want you to dive in to kind of tell us a little bit about what does that idea of running like clockwork mean to you? And what does that idea of efficiency mean to you? Because I think that that can be a very relative term to some people or even kind of a vague term, because I think that there may be a lot of people out there that are like, oh, well, I'm efficient. You know, like I do the same thing every day. So that makes me efficient. But that may not really mean what efficiency is from a business perspective. So can you dive into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people talk about uh, small small business growth. A lot of people talk about growth in revenue primarily. That's like the primary indicator of how you can grow. But there's a whole other avenue of making sure that you're efficient in that growth, which is cost savings and energy savings and time savings and using people for the right things. So, you know, when we think about how do we get the most, the most results for the least amount of input put we're using efficiency principles and efficiency thinking to figure out like is this the best way that we could possibly do things is is are are we reducing the amount of waste that we're creating inside that system and your system is your business and it can be the entire business system or we can narrow it down into individual processes but essentially i'm i'm looking for waste in anything that you're doing and trying to remove that right so i'm sort of like the the waste management uh, (laughs) person of small business, because that waste could be like wasted information. Like how many of us have wasted information in our head that we're not utilizing, or it could be that we're using, Uh, our labor inefficiently, or we're having them do things that aren't really giving us a value add, or um, there's extra steps inside of a process. So all of these things are waste that are costing you money, time, energy. And for me, this is super important. Number one, because we want your business to be sustainable. We want it to, yes, grow in revenue, but also grow in profitability, and and grow um, without utilizing more and more resources. But also, when your business can run like clockwork, to me, that means it can also run without you being there as the CEO. And and that's specific to small business owners because typically you are the person that starts this thing. Um, We all start at one. And then as the company grows and grows, and many people want to scale these companies and grow them even faster. But if you are basket woven into every single process, every single step, or every single decision, that can be very challenging. Challenging to do. There's going to be a bottleneck where things cannot run like clockwork because when every decision has to run through you, that's an inefficiency, right? So to me, this is all about making sure that your company can grow and sustain long after you. And that doesn't mean just like creating a legacy company for your children or your grandchildren, although that's important to me as well. But also like I know so many people who have health issues and they have to take a step away from the business. And I want to make sure that your team is taking care of and that your customers are taking care of even when you leave. Right. So that's super important. I think in terms of when we think about why would we even do this? And
0: when you, when you kind of go into a small business and you, you've, you've already kind of touched on it with what you were just saying, but it is the one thing that you notice. that is the biggest issue is that that one person has either not, found the right process system or person to put in place to where they then become trapped inside their day-to-day operation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and a lot of that can be Number one, we th- we think we're the only ones that can do the thing, whatever thing is, <laughs> or we think that we're the only one that can do it to the level or the level of excellence that we're looking for. And or we don't just we don't have the system in place to properly transfer that task or that responsibility to someone else. And so there's a lot of different like barriers of why we haven't done this yet. Some of it is control, <laughs> like we don't want to let go of that control and some of it even comes down to our own mindset i deal with this with our our clients all the time like like well what is my purpose if i am not necessary in the day to day of this business anymore that can become a real ego you know struggle for them because the thing that they've always found value in themselves from is the business and if we take them out of the business, then where do they find self worth, right? So it can bring up all these other things or all these other reasons of why we're not specifically doing that. But typically it's because we just haven't figured out how to transfer the knowledge to another pe- person or to a process. And that is where I can totally help <laughs> and come in and make sure that you understand that this doesn't mean you're. you're you know, invaluable or no longer valuable to the business. It just means that, uh, we empower your team to become even more valuable to the business, right? Because that's, that's really what we want is, is to help them grow and develop and, and be able to run and grow this company, even when you're not there, because most of our clients have other things that they want to do, or they have, you know, they need the space. That's a big thing. They need the space to be thinking about What's the next big idea or the next step towards the bigger vision? And when you're trapped in the day-to-day...
0: My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business, or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale, This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This Is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This Is Small Business for sponsoring the show. Because I know with my audience, they really get stuck on that initial, like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. How do I, you know, and it's it's it ends up being, where do I start? What, what do I need to do? How I need to do it? But really what they're asking, what I think that they're asking for is like, what should be my focus? Like, what is the one thing that I need to do first? And I want to talk a little bit about if you can explain what Sheehan's wall is, because I think that that is a huge part of that focused down and really understanding, because I tend to have a lot of multi-passionate entrepreneurs that are in my community that, you know, they want to be writers and speakers and, and this and that, and, and which that's fine. I mean, it's, it, that's amazing that you have all those passions and that you want to do all of those things, but you can't do it all at once. And so I would love if you could share a little bit about Sheehan's wall, what that is and, and why that's important on the business and brand journey. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, well, first of all, let's say, so this idea was inspired, like, we we kind of uh, learned uh, uh, an initial part of this framework from a, a gentleman named Peter Sheehan. Uh, who, she that's where we well. call it Sheehan's Wall, because the, the original source of it came from him, uh, and he's a speaker that we know through uh, the National Speakers Association and, and everything, but uh, do you want to explain the concept?
3: Yeah, the concept is that there is this invisible wall, and in many cases, it's a very real wall. And most people live on this left side of the wall, which is what we would say is the unknown side. And I take any regular individual or business and I would ask them, hey, what do you do? And they go, oh, well, I'm a speaker, right? I'm a writer, okay? I do webinars, okay? I'm a podcaster, okay? I have this, okay? And there's like all these things that they do. And what we find is like the more stuff that you do, the more variety that you have in your business and in your brand... You're just bouncing off this wall. There's not enough focus and intention and direction going to one focal point that you're able to break through this wall. And on the other side of that wall, on the right side, is what we'd say that's the known side. Those are the people who have become known in their industry. It could be in their geographical location, um, or it could be one of those things where you're, you're a household name, right? You're Ellen DeGeneres. You're Oprah Winfrey. Um, but most of us, that's not where we're going to end up and that's okay, but it's to be known for what you do or where you live or in your industry, but no one is going to get known from doing a variety of things. It's like the more that you do, it's like it's impossible to do all of them exceptionally well. It's like, it's just about impossible to do it. There's just not enough bandwidth. So what our whole solution is, like: you've got to collapse those things into the one thing that you want to be known for, the one thing that you want to drive focus to, that's what's going to push through the wall, and the business example that we use to describe this all the time is Amazon. So today we know Amazon as it is today, and Amazon sells
2: everything—everything,
3: everything. Uh, shoes, cars, diapers, like whatever they sell. Engagement rings—it <laughs> doesn't matter. Whatever you need, they can do it, right? But if you go back a few years. Um, and all of those listening, I don't know if you remember this, but Amazon started as a what?
2: Book company.
3: It was a book company.
2: All they did was sell books, and the all very beginning.
3: they did was sell books. And it wasn't until they became a household name and selling books did they start offering additional products, and then additional products, and then additional. But it came from there was one focal expertise; they became known for one thing. And once you break through that wall and you're on the known side, then you can expand. Then you can do all different types of things because you're already known. And so you've got to go from that place of doing all this stuff to one thing to break through. And then once you do, you can re-expand back into all the different things that you're interested in.
0: Yeah. and, And I feel like that's the biggest especially in this online in, in influencer space, um, the biggest challenge that I see because, um, people try to do all the things and they try to speak to everyone. So then they end up doing nothing and speaking
2: to no one. The other thing I want to say on this too, Julie is, is especially in the like online world because there's so many different things you can do so many ways to build an audience different platforms uh and modes of delivery etc people start this journey with the wrong frame of reference they process it as like what should i do mm-hmm. and the the better way to begin is to focus on who can you serve what problem do you solve and who do you solve it for if you get clear on that if you can just answer those two things, what problem do I solve and who do I solve it for? The business model becomes almost obvious, mm-hmm. like it falls into your lap. And then when you go, okay, in order to create that, I just need to reverse engineer some series of steps. And, and the other thing that's magic about operating from a place of service and selflessness is that it takes all the pressure and the fear and the anxiety and the guilt and the worry and the perfectionism of, am I gonna do this right? And all of that disappears because you're focusing on saying, you know what? I'm gonna own one problem in the world and I'm gonna go solve that problem. And whatever it takes to solve this problem, like I'm gonna be the guy or the gal who who, who reads and writes and researches and studies and teaches on how to solve this for other people. And you, you, be, you own a problem you, you go from being like a, um, just like a business person to being a messenger to, to, mm-hmm. to, to serving. And, and that is part of what it takes to break through the noise is, is to be that focused on serving people.
3: And to that point, you also have to know who you're serving. Like there is an audience for you and it's not everybody. Uh, it is most definitely not everybody. And if you don't know who exactly your audience is, you're going to struggle. Um, It's going to be really hard to figure out Facebook ads or Google AdWords, any sort of spending. It's going to be very difficult. You're going to think it doesn't work when it does, but you have to have a crystal clear idea of who your perfect audience is down to the nitty gritty details of your ideal client. And it's like, you got to know the problem, but you got to know who has that problem and like, what do they do and who are they as a person?
0: Yeah. And the, the, the person was also another huge takeaway for me when working with both of you during those two days, because I've been doing this for a few years now and I'm a huge fact finder and I love surveying. And so I have, have a really, really good idea who I, who, you know, who I serve, who this person is. And we talked about her and her name is Olivia, Mm -hmm. but what we also figured out through the amazing process that you guys have and shared during those two days is not only do I have Olivia, but there's actually this other woman that that I (laughs) serve as well that I didn't even really know was there. Or maybe I knew that she was there. I just hadn't clearly identified her. And what's really interesting about her is that Olivia actually may become that other woman Mm -hmm. or she may not, but We still have these kind of two distinct Mm -hmm. women in the same audience with the same problem that I'm solving. And so that was a huge kind of eye-opener for me and a big takeaway for me to kind of frame it in that way and see it in that way. That, yes, I'm not speaking to everybody, but I'm also... I can also speak to maybe one or two people at the same time as well. So that was a huge, a huge moment for me too. Yeah. And to what you were saying, I think for anyone
3: out there who has a different product line, right, different price points, different product offerings, we would encourage to have what we call an avatar, right? Your ideal client for each of your products, for each of your services, because they serve a different person. They serve a different audience and it's not the same person many times. And in your case, most definitely wasn't. And in our case, we've got multiple avatars for the different services that we have. And um, you've got to know if we're at each price point and each service or product that you have, this is who this is meant to serve out there in the world.
2: Well, and I think with you, Julie, which is really exciting, hopefully, for your listeners and your audience, was when we zoomed out from who is Julie today and who is your community now, and we really looked at what business do you want to be, who were you created to be long term we realized your primary business model doesn't even exist yet <laughs> you haven't you haven't actually launched or built the real thing that you were designed to do and because of that that was a part of what also revealed this whole world of oh my gosh there's this whole there's this woman rebecca that really is who i live to serve and the reason I'm passionate about Olivia is because I want to help Olivia become Rebecca. Mm-hmm. But really, Rebecca is the one that I'm after. And that was for all of us, like you, A- A- me, AJ, John, like uh, like Daniel, we were just going, whoa, that's huge that that your whole personal brand is designed for somebody that you haven't yet really gone after because this primary business model doesn't yet exist, because we hadn't yet thought through what should be your primary business model for the long term, which is exactly why you kind of came and uh, worked with us in the first place. And those are the kind of things that become obvious once you walk down the journey and and it just, it it takes partners and people to help you see it, I think.
3: Yeah, and I think to that, it's like you said that, you know, the person she was meant to serve. And I think as you start building out your ideal clients for everyone who's out there going, okay, who do I want to serve? It's like, once you start to realize is that Not only were you meant to serve these people, but they desperately need what you have. Amen. Like they really need what you have to offer. You just have to make sure you're offering it and offering it in a way that appeals to them and that they can find it. It's like, it doesn't matter how good you are or how great your products and services are. If people do not know about you, they cannot do business with you. It doesn't matter. And so that's a big part of what we do. It's like, yes, you've got to have this reputation. You've got to have good results. You have to have good things that you do. But then people also have to know about you. They have to be able to find you because they are searching. They are looking for what you do, whatever it is. Like they need it. And they need to know that you solve their problem and that you have a way of doing it in a way that works for them. And that's the beauty of this process.
0: And that's what I think is, is something that I hope everyone listening, like really. I hope they, mm. and one of the things that you talk about also in the book, one of the action steps to overcome it is you talk about eliminating excuses, that yes. these excuses that we have, that all of us have that keep us small, that keep us safe, you know, they keep us in that conformity piece. We don't have to go against the grain, you know, it's just the path of least resistance and you give really attainable actionable how-tos to overcome these excuses. Now, the biggest one that I hear in our community, and you talk about it in the book as well, is that idea of, I don't know how, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, you know, or, or I'm not blank enough to make that happen. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts or really your guidance tips to overcome some of those those excuses that we start to, to say to ourselves in those moments? Well, a
4: couple. First, we're going to start off with the fact that we all have excuses. I have them. You have them. Everyone has them. And I kind of think about them like weeds they're going to grow back, right? No matter how you kind of clear out everything and you're like, okay, I'm clear that I'm responsible for my time and my energy, my resources. Like I'm totally here and I'm seeing what I'm doing and what I'm not doing and how it's all a choice. You can slip back in and these excuses can pop up. One of the best pieces of the book, in my opinion, is helping people understand the distinction between two four-letter words that really does do a great job of wiping out all excuses. And those two four-letter words are this, the difference between can't and won't. So here's the deal. 99% of the time when we humans say that we can't do something, can't is actually a euphemism for won't. And won't means that we're not willing to. In other words, we don't really want to. Like, we don't want to do the work. We don't want to take the risk. We don't want to get uncomfortable. We don't want to be inconvenienced. It's not a big enough priority or it's not important enough to us. Now, before anyone disagrees or finds exceptions, which I'm sure they are, just humor me for a moment. If you just consider how this might be true in your life, even a portion of the time, you can free yourself from the vast majority of self-deceptive crap that holds you back. So for example, let's say you feel like, oh, I just don't have the time to you know, get up and, and work out every day. Or I don't have the time to go write my book or to do that marketing plan or to figure out how to build my own website. Or again, you can just fill in the blank. What if you replace the word can't with won't? When you Mm. do that, oftentimes what happens, Julie, is we discover something much more honest. It actually feels more realistic. So for example, I won't get up and work out every day. I won't find the time to get writing done. Mm. I won't do what it takes to figure out how to get my website up.
0: And that's scary, Marie, because that puts all of the responsibility on you. Well, you just said the key word, my love. You just
4: said, I think, one of the scariest and the most freeing things Mm -hmm. that there are there is like this principle, this notion that you are 100% responsible for your life. See, when we start using that word won't, we start to actually behave more powerfully. Let me give you a concrete example. So in my own life, right, I have this dream of eventually one day being able to speak fluent Italian. I know I'm going to do it. I am not willing to do the work right now. You want to know how I know that? Guess what I did the other night? What? I wasn't in my language app learning, you know, my new Italian words. Right. I was watching Stranger Things. <laughs> right. I was yeah. because that was a bigger priority. So the truth is it's not like, oh, I can't learn Italian because I don't have the time. That's total BS. Right. I won't learn Italian right now because it's not a big enough priority. Right. That's just the truth. Yeah. So In terms of what you were sharing, and I hope this answers your question, and please drill me harder if it doesn't address what you want to address. But when we see how our choices about how we spend our time, our effort, and our energy really are within our control, everything becomes so much more clear. And for anyone saying, but it's not in my control. Like I have five kids, or I have this job, or I have three jobs. You have to actually step back and realize that you played a part in getting yourself here. Again, I know sometimes this can be some big medicine, but on the Mm -hmm. other side of big medicine is incredibly big freedom Mm -hmm. and empowerment and the ability to make new choices. Again, I hold myself to these standards just like everyone else, right? So I'm like, we were just talking about with stranger things. Anytime I catch myself saying, I don't have the time for that. I actually drill it back and I go, "Mm, that's actually not true. I do not want that thing bad enough to put it into my calendar. There are other things that are a higher priority and I'm okay with that. It doesn't make me bad. It doesn't
0: make me lazy. It makes
4: me clear and mm-hmm. honest.
0: Yep. Oh, And I would love, I would love to drill down that more specifically because what I start to hear, cause I can, I, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody out there says, okay, yes. well, Marie, that's cute and all, but you know, that's just not true for me. You know, my dad has cancer. My mom has dementia. We're up to our eyeballs in debt. You know, my sister is an alcoholic and I can't get her to stop drinking. That's right. You know, my husband doesn't support me in what I want to do. You know, I, I didn't get to go to college. I couldn't afford it. What do you say to that person?
4: Okay, so first I say, please, for the love of all things holy, if any of this resonates for you, get your hands on the book, because we have, I think, over two dozen stories mm-hmm. of folks who are facing those exact situations. I want to share just one quick one, if I may, from a woman named Jen in New Zealand. Because again, everything is figure outable doesn't mean that we're not going to face hard truths, does not mean that we're not going to face things like job loss, debt, illness, death, grief. All of those things are hard truths that are real for all of our lives. But at a certain point, Julie, we have to ask ourselves, when those things are facts, what are we going to do next? Mm. What are we going to do next? So there's two things. I want to share a story, but first I want to even drill back further and share three simple rules that we talk about in the book that I think helps people use this idea to help themselves move ahead. So, the three rules of everything is figure is this rule number one, all problems or dreams are figure outable. Rule number two, if a problem isn't figure outable, it's not a problem, it's a fact of life. For example, death, gravity, taxes, right? Those things are real. Right. Three, You may not care enough to solve this particular problem or reach this particular dream, and that's okay. But find something you do care enough about, something that fires up your heart and that you're willing to commit fully to, and go back to rule number one. Those three rules give us a mental container so that our minds can focus on exactly what we can do to impact our circumstances and not go to fantastical things like, oh, well, I can't grow wings out of my back, (laughs) but we humans can fly. Or, you know, oh, but it's not figureoutable how to bring my childhood dog back from the dead. Well, cloning is happening and scientists are searching out cryogenics. So it's maybe not figureoutable yet. But to your point, right? When it comes to things like a terminal diagnosis, I want to share a story from Jen. So this is a woman who watched the Oprah version, the Oprah talk of everything mm-hmm. is figureoutable. And she loved it so much that she shared it with her mom. And she told me that it was a lesson her mom had been trying to teach her. So they, jo- they both just loved it. Then everything changed. She says, her beautiful mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Nothing seemed figure outable. But you know what? She said, when I looked deeper and stopped railing against what was happening, the little things were figure outable, like trying to find nursing care for her because she lived in a rural area, like finding special foods that she could actually tolerate, like getting medical equipment so that she could spend her last days and her last five weeks in her home like she wanted to.
1: Mm.
4: So Jen wrote, I can honestly say, yes, everything is figure outable. You've got to break the big things down into small bits so you can figure them out. And she thanked us and she told us that we really made a difference to two women on the other side of the world because she's from New Zealand. Mm. So we have stories like that of folks who have faced devastating loss, diagnoses, um, struggling with addiction, with debt, you name it. And I do hold true in my heart, Julie, that if you are willing to keep an open mind and an open heart and play with those three rules, that you'll find this idea awakens your innate power, your
0: innate strength to make
4: a difference in your life and others.
0: Yeah. And I love that you use that word power because that's literally what was coming up for me in that moment that when you get really clear and honest of the fact that you know, the example that you gave, she might've been completely powerless to the fact that her mom now has this cancer and that that is just the fact of life and it sucks and it's messy and it's horrible and it's it's devastating. Right. Absolutely. And she is, she cannot control it and she is completely powerless to that. But what does she have power over? What, what can she control? And that is how she faces that that moment that that's that messiness, how does she find the miracle in the mess? And and that's it. That's everything is figured out. is figureoutable. Yes. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the influencer podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week.